Hello there, Vitamizers. Welcome back to the How Do You Health podcast here with MSW Nutrition. My name is Allison, and as always, your co-hosts for this show are Baldo Garza at Tex-Mex Yogi and Nurse Doza. Um, We're located in Austin, Texas, and we're so excited that you're listening to us. Um, Before we introduce today's guest... This podcast is brought to you by MSW Nutrition. MSW Nutrition is a supplement line designed to help support your body in as many ways as possible, starting with the liver. By helping to repair liver health, you're supporting your body's biggest detox organ so that it can do its job taking care of the rest of you. We carry supplements to help with mood, stress, energy, weight loss, gut health, immunity, and much more. Any product carrying the MSW Nutrition label will be produced in an FDA-certified lab and contain the most bioavailable version of those nutrients possible. Make sure to check out our website at www.mswnutrition.com to see all the latest stacks to help you reach your health goals. This podcast is also brought to you by Athletic Outcomes. Athletic Outcomes is Austin's boutique wellness studio focusing on functional fitness and sports recovery. Located in Southeast Austin, AO provides services such as personal training, group classes, pre- and postnatal training, nutrition coaching, massage therapy, chiropractic, recovery compression boots, and MSW lounge vitamin shots. It's your one-stop shop for health and fitness. Check them out on social media at Athletic Outcomes to stay up to date with their events and programs. This podcast is produced by Flabs to Fitness, Inc. Flabs to Fitness is an online wellness company that specializes in mindful eating, personalized workout programs, and offers a subscription workout program for 20-minute workouts you can do anywhere. We also have a brand new online workout community called Online Workout Badasses, where we have three donation-based Zoom workout classes a week and an amazing community of people who are all working to be healthier together. Please join below in the show notes. It's also a social media content firm for creation and scheduling of content and engagement with your fans on a variety of platforms, including this podcast. Find out more about Flabs to Fitness at www.flabstofitness.com. So today we're sitting down with Dr. Nisha Khanna, and they get into all sorts of fun things. Um, Baldo and Nerstoza know her personally, and this is a really awesome conversation. So let's dive into Dr. Nisha Khanna's health journey and how she serves clients to this day because of that story. Here is Dr. Nisha Khanna on the How Do You Health podcast. Hi guys, and welcome to the How Do You Health podcast. It's Friday afternoon, and uh, we are here with Dr. Nisha Khanna. We're going to be talking about, uh, I don't know, I don't know what we're going to be talking about. We're going to talk about a lot of different things. I know the last time you and I spoke over Instagram, we were talking about uh, fasting. That's why I want to ask you about that. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because, like, in our podcast, we tend to to talk to a lot of, like, coaches or a lot of people that are doing uh, functional um uh, practicing, not necessarily like medicine in the way that you do, uh, but uh, it's cool to, to to see a perspective from the MD who's finished the schooling. Mm, yeah, and and I want to get into that as well too. But uh, we got Nurse Doza here as well too, and then I'm Tex Mex Yogi. So uh, let's get the party started. I know what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about neurotransmitters. Yes. We were we were speaking about that before. Yes. You have an interesting aspect on it. Can you elaborate? Yeah, so it's something that was actually in my mind yesterday, and Mm -hmm. I was thinking more and more about it, that there's just such a fine balance between 
who we are and our personalities and what neurotransmitters are being sort of manifesting in larger numbers. And so, you know, I've been thinking about it in terms of gut health, but also um, how, you, how we really do control what we feel each day and what we sort of set our day up with. Um, and one of the practices I do every morning is really get into a loving heart space where I just really feel that open-hearted gratitude and um, oneness. And I, and in doing that, I've been doing that for several months now, I think about the neurotransmitters that I'm creating in, by actually choosing to feel that way every morning and starting the day that way. And just we do have that sort of sovereignty every day to choose how we feel and what neurotransmitters get released and what get created and what sort of patterns we set up in our neurochemistry. And we can do that through so many ways, but choosing our response, but also um, what we, how we feed ourselves, how we take care of our gut, and work to really prevent and heal leaky gut. Uh, but it really is our responsibility, I think, to take care of our inner being in a way that, because we, we, we can really feel all the things that we want to feel. It's just a matter of nourishing ourselves appropriately and choosing which thoughts we're going to focus on. Yeah. Can you, hold on, can you explain the connection between gut and neurotransmitters yeah. for people who don't know? Oh, yeah. So essentially we're in charge of our probiotic army in our gut by what we feed it. So when we feed our gut bacteria, kind of what we traditionally think of as healthy foods, so things with fiber and celery and vegetables, um, then that feeds the good bacteria. But when we have sort of simple processed starches, um, things that are pre-digested in a way that, that don't have the fiber, so even things like juices, um, fruit juices, those feed things that thrive in um, more simpler ways, so things like yeast and more of the harmful bacteria. And so even our emotions feed certain parts of our microbiome. So there's links between more pathogenic bacteria and anger. And it's just phenomenal because what we feed ourselves in terms of food, thoughts, emotions, populates our microbiome. And then when we have good numbers of healthy bacteria, we're less likely to have leaky gut. But the healthy bacteria are actually in charge of making serotonin from 5-HTP. And so you need the probiotic bacteria to keep the cells healthy so that they can make the 5-HTP. And most of it's made in the gut. So some people say anywhere from 70 to 90% of your serotonin is made in the gut. So if, if you're feeding yourself the things that are going to make your good bacteria thrive, then you are more likely to have naturally elevated levels, normal levels of serotonin. Yeah. So could you could you make the case for someone who's quote-unquote depressed as having um, a dysfunctional gut? Most likely, you know, and I've seen people's personalities change. So I've taken people through a gut cleanse reset, and within a month of doing this protocol, actually within just a couple of weeks, they 
we're self-identified pessimists and kind of negative and just reactive and angry and their whole personality changed their clients would tell them you know they were a practitioner as well but their clients would say like what's different with you you're just different you know and so it we we think that we're our personality but it, we're actually just being governed by the makeup of our microbiome and what neurotransmitters are being produced yeah, well, it's crazy because I mean I've made, I mentioned earlier at the podcast that we had earlier about how most neurotransmitters are made by your gut bacteria, mm-hmm. right? Like besides serotonin and all that, that like the, the uh, fucking a hundred I forget a hundred and thirty something like that. No, it's probably a wrong number. It's a it's a large percentage, right? That it's made. Uh, and then out of that large percentage, it also makes, like, a large percentage of that certain neurotransmitter. Like, serotonin would be one of them, right? Like, 90%, I think. It's it's what it is. But uh, but but then it's like, if you just feed yourself, we were talking about GMOs earlier. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what do they, what what does that come with? How, how is that going to make, how, what kind of synapses is that going to create? What kind of neuro uh, connections are going to happen when it's, food that's not that's creating bacteria that's not you know conducive to how we were created right and i think you know gmo food food with organic phosphates you know things like roundup they those in in of itself create leaky gut so when you have leaky gut you're more inflamed you've got more inflammatory cytokines and that changes your mood and how you feel and sort of how you identify your personality as well but um kind of to your point i really think that when we eat things that are processed and dead they're devoid of life force energy or prana and we're not going to feel good unless we eat vital food and i think that's the premise behind eating more raw more unprocessed more things that are close to nature versus new to nature you know so like a gmo is completely new to nature it doesn't exist outside of our creation and so um and one of the interesting things i was listening to um on the way down here was just that um the it's it's also the imprint like the energetic imprint of the food that how that affects you so um so you may have seen in kind of yogic texts that there's more of a um, push to eat vegan or vegetarian food. And so the idea with that is that an animal has its own energetic imprint where it's got its own thoughts, its own emotions. And so they're usually in search of food. So their mind is like scattered. It's always like like a chicken, like where's it going to go? And where's it going to get its food? And so when you consume that food, when you consume the chicken itself, then you you basically also are that food becomes you so it's sure the energy of that chicken is then what sort of imprints on your mind and it's very hard to meditate and sort of get centered and grounded if you're eating something that has the imprint of always being scattered whereas say like a plant it's still and it just has kind of a uni focus to just yeah. grow towards the sun. So, um, so yeah, I think with something like a GMO, yeah. you know, what is the imprint in there? You know, yeah. 
Well, see, like with food, with animals too, like it's uh, the way that they're raised, right? Because let's say that they weren't looking for food because they're be like because they have everything and they really know where, when they're hungry, they know where to go, whatever. Let's say it's a perfect world from that sense. Um, but when they're farmed and they're stressed as hell, that means that their their cortisol levels are high, right? Their insulin's high, mm-hmm. and so then they get killed at that moment, and their blood, you know, some mm-hmm. people like to eat raw steak or like you know rare, right? And so it's bloody. Um, if that wasn't a very well raised animal, that means that that blood is full of, you know, cortisol, and like, and then you're consuming that, so. Yeah. You know, that it's the same chemical compound, so you imagine you would only raise your own cortisol. I don't know if that's true or not. In the past, though, um, it was such an honor, right, to, like, go kill a cow, and it was, like, and it was, or, or whatever it would, animal you were going to eat, and there was almost, like, you, you, it was, like, a sacrifice, or, like, there was almost, like, a whole event towards, like, hey, make sure this animal is in, like, the healthiest states and, like, and just loving, and then it was kind of, like at that moment you would kill it mm-hmm. but it was in a very calm like very like honored way and then you would eat that and i'm sure that would be way way better than to eat a farmed animal that's been like suffering its whole life because it doesn't know what the fuck is doing live right yeah right? So, i agree with that and then you can talk about like well you're consuming that energy or you can talk about well you're consuming all those chemicals that's now in those bodies because they're stressed or whatever so well you're a product of the environment Right. So what people don't realize, and you keep talking about the microbiome of the gut, there's a microbiome in the soil. Right. And there's pesticides and the herbicides that we spray will essentially disrupt the microbiome in, in the soil. So if that's the case, anything we eat as a product of Earth is going to be dysfunctional. And we basically ingest that dysfunction. We don't feel better because of it. And it causes disruption, endocrine disruption. Uh, you talk about the gut, and it causes serotonin depletion. Well, imagine, like, if I were to eat the liver of a really unhealthy, depressed animal, you said you would take on that energy almost, right? Like, whatever dysfunction is going on with them, you take it on. And if we feed off each other's energy, I literally can make myself depressed by eating crappy food. And if that's the case, how in the world would I be able to actually, like, get better unless I actually like look at the source of my food. Most people don't even look at the source of the food, right? Most people don't look at the idea that this chicken probably grew up in a cage next to like 10,000 of its siblings. Mm-hmm. And the way that it was slaughtered and raised and all that, like a lot of times it's not even it's not even a good approach, right? Like this guy, my son just walked in. He said, hi. Yeah. He eats like chicken nuggets, right? Mm-hmm. But he eats like free-range chicken nuggets, right? And why are you about this? We're in. We're doing a podcast right now. You want to say hi to the listeners? Yeah. Say hi. Hi. Okay. Hi. <laughs> That's Omar, everyone. Omar, can you sit down for us right here? And can you be really quiet because we're talking right now? Thanks, buddy. Um, I care about what mm-hmm. the soil looks like for him because 30 years from now, I don't know if we're going to have proper soil to help him be better. Um, his One of his food sensitivities right now are nuts. And I can't figure out for the life of me why he has nut allergies when I really didn't and my wife doesn't. So why in the world does he have nut allergies? I mean, we only found this out because he was eating cashews one day. His face started swelling up. Mm. And so will he will he get better with that? Maybe. We have to heal the gut. But I think all disease starts in the gut. I don't think it's – I think serotonin plays a huge role. Dopamine? Does dopamine come from the gut? 
No, it's more the tryptophan that's the precursor, so you need the amino acids. Yeah. Right. So, so dopamine. But serotonin, serotonin also helps with uh, gut motility, right? It helps with gut motility, helps with appetite, um, helps with sleep. But you, you mentioned something before. So uh, you said about the neurotransmitters, like you manifest them. Which neurotransmitter are you trying to manifest first thing in the morning? Serotonin and, really? and, and dopamine. Well, serotonin is like a daytime neurotransmitter. Like that's the one that gets you going. Dopamine as well. Well, serotonin is sort of this open-hearted, very loving neurotransmitter. And then dopamine is more of like that ecstatic feeling. That's how I interpret nice. it. Nice. Okay. I like that. Motivation reward system. Mm-hmm. That's how I look at it too. Yeah. So if somebody is lethargic and they can't get off the couch... Do you address both serotonin and dopamine, or do you say, like, oh, it's only dopamine, or it's only serotonin? Well, I mean, if someone is lethargic, I think you need to look at their whole lifestyle. Like, instead of kind of thinking, okay, you're going to take this supplement, most people are eating thamasic food, so food that is, like we talked about, dead. It's, like, heavy qualities. And uh, and so they would probably actually really benefit from water fasting or some kind of fast. Like there's nothing that not eating can't cure, you know, for right. at least a day. And so, <laughs> it's true. It's awesome. So so if someone's really lethargic, to me, coming from my Ayurvedic background, it means that they've overwhelmed their digestion. So they've basically had foods that are really heavy or basic or that. Even if they had light food, it was too heavy for their weak digestion. And so that's why when you have a heavy meal, you feel sleepy after it. It's like you have a certain pool of energy, and it's got to go towards digestion. But if you aren't working so hard for digestion, then that energy can be redirected. And so um, I think we underestimate how much energy we need to digest food every day, and that's why you know, when people are multitasking while they're eating or kind of in stressful situations while they're eating, whether it's a conversation or working or whatever, they actually don't digest well enough. And then that leads to an accumulation of toxins, which slowly overwhelms digestion and makes your digestion weaker and weaker. And so it's, um, so if someone's really tired, then giving their body a break from having to digest food is the answer so that they can reclaim some of that energy, clear out some of that sort of sticky gunk that didn't get cleared out from proper digestion so that it's almost like a flame. You just give it some air to breathe, and then it is able to sort of be a bigger flame again. Yeah. So then do you agree that – so do you believe that fasting is more for a reset rather than like – so I think about fasting – let me rephrase that. So I think about fasting really about regulating hormones, mm-hmm. but you don't see it just as regulating hormones. You're almost referring like it's a whole body reset. Right, yeah. Yeah, gut reset for me, right? Like, that's my purpose for doing it monthly. So mm-hmm. I want to reset my gut. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> and in Ayurveda, the recommendation is to fast one day a week. Um, so, you, yeah, you could loop that at the end of the week, lump it together, but it's like your kind of weekly cleanup, you know? So we clean our house every, houses every week, you know, so you, you, you clean your gut every week. You give it a time to just sort of relax. And it doesn't have to be completely no food. It could be for some people, um, maybe just liquids, 
broth, you know, things that are easy to digest. For other people who have more diseases of excess, like obesity and hypercholesterolemia and high blood pressure, like they might actually do better with no food and just water. And then if they're people who are really anxious and having insomnia and more of the air and space constitution, they actually don't do as well with fasting on just liquids and they might need something that's really easy to digest like a, a gruel or some kind of porridge or something like that. So I think having a more tailored approach to fasting is also really important because, you know, there isn't a one size fits all for everybody and we can aggravate some conditions, you know, like you may have heard from some of your patients too that, you know, they did a fast and then they you know, by, you know, manifested bipolar disease or something like that because it was too much for their nervous system. Yeah, because most people don't know how to not eat correctly, mm-hmm. right? Well, it's a whole process. I mean, that's kind of, I started coaching on it because people were like, wait, wait, you're going to do what? Like, I get it because I've done it, but you don't do it that way. Mm-hmm. And it's always like, you know, like it's always, it is different for everyone. It has to be almost, right? Well, yeah, it's just like the keto diet. I don't know if you've heard of this, but women don't – they respond differently on keto diet because mm. we've heard that they need more carbs. Like, I mean, that's just maybe different metabolism that guys will be able to drop weight like this. Women will complain about, oh, for some reason it threw off my hormones. Huh. Yeah, and I don't know if you've heard of that or not, but every diet has to be tailored to the individual, right, because that individual might need more of a demand of this because maybe like their serotonin is a, it's needed in much more demand. Like imagine that if someone's depressed, clinically depressed, I won't look at them and say like, well, you don't, the reason why is because you have like a deficiency in, in an antidepressant. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, you have a deficiency in like tryptophan or vitamin B6 or maybe your genetics are off, your metabolism is really dysfunctional, and you never make serotonin, right? So let's get you to make more serotonin on your own rather than just give you something that's not really going to help you make more. It's just going to help you absorb what you make. And I look at the holistic approach. I like Ayurvedic medicine because it does give you that very holistic approach, like fasting, right? Medicine doesn't talk about fasting. Yeah, right? or even or even lifestyle. So that person on the couch, you know, are, what time are they waking up? That makes a difference as to how sleepy you are. So if you get up during the kapha window, which is 6 to 10 a.m., you're going to more likely be sleepy the whole day versus if you get up before 6 a.m. Because you are, you're basically taking advantage of what qualities are in the environment. So there's more movement in the environment between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. So you're more likely to kind of get up and moving. So if you exercise... During that window of 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., where things are usually more sluggish, you're you're almost going against the current, and that helps you have more energy for the day. So waking up before sunrise, having early morning exercise with sunlight, having those codes from the sun sort of reset your metabolism and circadian rhythm and your hormones, like all of that makes a huge difference as to whether you feel energetic and including what you eat and when you choose to eat and how you eat, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So do you wake up before 6? Well, it's um, it's always on my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, when I do, I feel so good. Yeah. And I'm lucky that I have enough flexibility in the morning that I can still get everything in, even if I don't wake up early yeah. enough. But um, I know that it's, it's, I do best. And I usually do get up 
a little bit before sunrise, yeah. but maybe not quite at 6 since seven ri- sunrise is at 7 these days. Yeah, I'm with you, though. I wake up whenever the sun kind of hits up, mm-hmm. but I, I know you wake up. How, how early do you wake up? 5.30 is my, yeah. Yeah. And, and what that's time same. do you go to bed? Um, I'm usually phone off at 9, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to get to bed by 10. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty good about that, too, though. Um and then if it, if I don't go to sleep on time, then I still wake up, and the next day I'll just eat more because I'll just I'll just be tired earlier. And mm-hmm. so then the next day I'll kind of I don't want to say make it up because I don't know if you can make it up, but well, the idea in Ayurveda is that you move into there's times that correlate with well each period of the day correlates with a different element. So yeah. if you go to bed by ten. Between that 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. window is the time where the body's actually detoxing, rejuvenating its liver kind of detox time as well. And so you may get a second wind if you stay up, but that energy should actually be directed inward on restoring your body and cleansing your body. So if you don't go to bed, if you're not asleep during those hours, you're actually missing out on a really optimal detox window. And... There is some research that shows that people have um, they've correlated youth and beauty with people that actually get their beauty sleep, yeah. and, you know, at yeah. 10 p.m. So yeah, I uh, I wake up at like three, like almost every morning, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's like liver lung, right, kind of deal, right. So I only knew that because I looked at the Chinese meridian cycle, mm-hmm. and it's like on point every time. And so it's like uh, with adrenals, like when people say they're fatigued. What time are you most tired? Between 2 and 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. We look like geniuses because I'm like, I bet it's your adrenal glands. But we all know it's like, yeah, that's your sugar crash. That's your insulin crash and all that from a lot of people. But at the time of the day, we'll tell you when you're supposed to be energetic and when you're not. Like at the end of the day, you're supposed to be pretty much tired but not exhausted, mm-hmm. right? And then you should be able to go to bed and fall asleep very easily. In the morning, you should wake up right away. Mm-hmm. But it's very rare that somebody just wakes up and says, I'm ready to face the day. Yeah. Right? But – I'm sure you wake up and you have your routine. I'm sure you have a wake up and have a routine. What's your routine like in the morning? Okay, yeah. I actually just posted about that today. It's funny. Sweet. So I wake up before sunrise because I actually do a sunrise offering, a fire offering. It's called Agnihotra. Okay. So I do it at sunrise and sunset. And so I wake up that way and it's really nice like to see the flames and I meditate with the flames for about 20 minutes with some mantra as well. And then I'll kind of get ready with the, I mean, before the the fire, I'll do a little bit of maintenance, you know, like tongue scraping and brushing teeth and all of that. And then I do um, dry brushing and sun salutations, about 20 minutes of those, or dancing and sun salutations mixed. And then I do pranayama, so 20 minutes of um Ayurvedic or Vedic yogic breath work Mm -hmm. and um, that really gets you going like I call that my morning coffee because you're basically pumping air through your body and, and you don't drink coffee, too? Um, I, I really like the taste, but I don't drink it very often. Like, I might let myself have a cup once every two weeks or so, mm-hmm. you know, like a coffee day. Um, but uh, then I'll end up doing some liver cleansing herbs after because it is really heating and oily for the body. So um, 
and it weakens your digestion, so I don't do it often. But um. <laughs> <laughs> this guy loves coffee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm also very strict about what kind of where I get my coffee and how you know. Yeah. All that. Like, and it's a, <laughs> I mean, if you do well with it, then you're okay. You know, like yeah. not everyone reacts the same way. You know, that's why more of the vata types. Yeah, I won't ever drink shitty coffee. I just won't. Like, it's, you know, gas station coffee. I'm not gonna do it. You know. Yeah, it's but, not worth it. Yeah, it's not. And, and I do drink a lot of coffee, but see, I always try to pick a sun dried coffee because it'll be less oily mm. and uh, they just have better aromas in the first place anyways and I always try to do micro lots so they're not producing in large amounts so they're, they're getting mm-hmm. picked often and so so yeah. what brands do you like? they're just I mean I don't know because they, I, I'll go to Trianon or I'll go to Starbucks the one over the one in Westlake because they actually have the reserve ones. Okay. And they're done. And so. Okay. The Starbucks ones are Starbucks ones, but they're also they also tell you like which micro lots they got them from. Okay. And then this guy just travels around the world and uh, and, and and picks some, so they're not really his brand either. But okay. But they're in a little Trinon bag. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so I couldn't tell you. You know which one or, or anything like that, because but I'm but I do ask all the questions. I'm in there like, where was this made? How was it made? Blah blah. blah. What yeah. temperature? All that stuff. And so, you know, the water and all that. And so. Well, he's been using coffee for his fast. Oh, okay. Like during it, obviously black coffee, right? But mm-hmm. like he's been talking about it, and then even I think the last couple of times you did your fast, you said it ramped you up too much. Yeah, I'd stop doing it during fast because it ramps me up way too much. Like. Yeah. Pretty much every time that I've done coffee during a fast, I'd have to stop my fast short just because it's just my mm. metabolism just ramps up way too much. And I get all jittery. And then, and then at that point, well, what's the point? Because then you're going to get kicked out of autophagy, and that was the whole point of doing it in the oh, first place, okay. of doing the fast in the first place. right? So, Because uh, you don't want to kick up insulin too high because then that just kicks you out of autophagy at that point. So you just don't mm-hmm. want that. Yeah. Well, I don't drink coffee because it just makes me anxious. Mm. I drink these boosts instead because I don't want to be anxious. Well, have you tried having L-theanine with your coffee? No, but I like L-theanine. But if you have L-theanine with your coffee, you won't get jittery. Really? Yeah, so like 200 milligrams. Really? So do I do it like before or during? Just right around the same time. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Really? Try it just because it's so awesome. I think I had the idea, you guys can totally make this happen, but um, I had the idea that why don't they, when you go to a coffee bar, like how amazing would it be to have these sort of supplements and boosts with the coffee so that you it would mitigate some of the negative yeah. effects, you yeah, know, I agree. that some people. Well, see, like we have L-theanine in, in, our, in a few of our supplements, but all those break down in heat. So it's like we couldn't put um, it with the coffee. We well, uh, would just have it as a pill. Yeah, you in, could. Taurine yeah. does the same thing too. Taurine actually helps because it, it's with a caffeine like, oh gosh, I forgot what the actually. But it's like the receptor for caffeine causes like an increase in sympathetic response. Like nicotine does the same thing. And so if you basically turn off that receptor, you'll never get that sympathetic anxious response. Taurine does it, I think, which is interesting. But yeah, I agree with it. I have, I, I love theanine. I, I know they're going to start infusing things like. Um, Ostrogon is real easy to infuse with a lot of things, right? Um, green tea extract is fascinating to me because even the green tea extract has medicinal properties to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can use it to help uh, decrease inflammation in the brain, which mm-hmm. is great. That's the caffeine we have in our drink. Um, theanine, when I've ever taken it, it's very relaxing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very quick, too. Like, it's within, like, minutes sometimes. And I've taken his droplets. Mm-hmm. I envisioned, like, a tonic bar almost at one point here. Just the problem was I... 
then think everyone would like to rush over for like a shot of wheatgrass or like I don't know shashandra or something, you know, because it might taste a little different to them. They probably want you know something tasty like this, right? That has some flavor to it. But um, I, I love a lot of the the tonics that people can recommend because you you overlap that with herbs, adaptogens, and they do the same thing, right? If I can get a better sympathetic decrease by activating GABA, which is one of the neurotransmitters I'd want to activate. I could do it through meditation. I could do it with L-theanine. I could do it through taurine. I would say that if somebody want to emphasize health, they have to emphasize neurotransmitter production. I never, I know it makes sense, but I never went about it by saying like, take care of your gut mm. and then all your other neurotransmitters will follow. I usually look at it and say, take care of your nutrition yeah. and your hormones and that will make your neurotransmitters function better, mm-hmm. right? Like the bliss. Yeah. Like that thing boosts serotonin and dopamine. I think I was instantly happier. You were? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It works. It's like magic. Yeah, it does work. Yeah. I, I love that thing. It's a, my quick little pick-me-up. So, But it's a vitamin, though. So what would be like a natural, besides L-theanine, what would be like a recommendation you would say for somebody to take in Ayurvedic medicine? Well, I think you mentioned it. I feel like adaptogens, Ayurveda, you know, in Ayurveda, the ashwagandha is just so powerful for so many people, and it's pretty potent. I like to have it as an alcohol extract okay. and um, suggest it that way. And I actually recommend it, so, so say someone's getting their energy dip around three or four, to have it at one or, you know, right around there a couple hours before their expected dip and it really they don't get the dip anymore you know yeah. and it's just what you talked about with when you're depressed you don't have an antidepressant deficiency there's there's you know two phases of adrenal fatigue and so in that second phase you have you can manifest lower um basically you manifest depression because you've got low cortisol levels, you're depleted. So in the first phase, you're in a hyper state and your cortisol is actually up because you're in a revved up place. Um, so you can still feel fatigued and jittery, but, but because it's just too much. But then in that second phase, the, the gland is more depleted. And that's when people can have a lot of depression symptoms. And if you just support their adrenals with the appropriate adaptogens or glandulars, then their mood gets better. And so they didn't need an antidepressant. They just needed their adrenals to be supported. So I would say that's one of my favorite supplements when it comes to kind of energy and mood. Um, In terms of, I'm really about getting things, getting to the root of things. So nutrition, but also looking at, most people are walking around with quite a lot of dysbiosis, so their microbiome's out of balance, whether it's from pollutants in the environment, you know, pesticides in their food, plastics that are coming in, or um, just rounds of antibiotics is probably the most common reason. And so, and then that leads to food sensitivities, which then propagate the cycle. So, so working to rebalance the microbiome is probably the number one thing that affects people's mood and helps them make their neurotransmitters naturally. It just makes so much sense that why would you supplement without, you know, just revamping the 
the organizational material that's meant to do the the job itself, you know? Yeah, because we don't think that far ahead, right? We just look at, like, what's my symptom? Mm-hmm. And my symptom is I'm tired all the time, so give me yeah. something for energy. Because so, that was a, was that something that was taught to you during medical school, or is that something in your Ayurveda practice? M- more in functional medicine. Yeah. Well, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, because that's what it, functional medicine wants to find out why these symptoms are arising in the first place, right? Because there's always stress equals inflammation equals disease or disease, right? So whatever the disease is, inflammation has been causing this to occur for a while now. You can't really remove all your stressors in life unless you go live in a forest. But if I imagine I eat something that's stressful in my body, like GMOs, it wears on my digestive tract. If I mentally have negative thoughts, you mentioned before, you produce cytokines, which causes inflammation. And then physically, if I work out too hard, I could cause back pain, aches and pains in my joints, and that physically causes inflammation. So it's basically how you respond to inflammation. The adrenals are a huge way to respond to inflammation and stress. Lately, Baller and I have been talking about the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal access. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think now, like, hold on a second, buddy. What if, like, everything in our body was addressing the HPA access, like hypothalamus, pituitary, and adrenals? Because essentially that's, that's all your hormones responding, that your neurotransmitters respond, like adrenaline, for example. Mm-hmm. It's a neurotransmitter and a hormone. Yeah. Well, the best way to address that is with meditation. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of takes it full circle because you know, we, we talk a lot about food and what we eat and, you know, is it healthy, is it organic and, you know, whatever the criteria are. But the food that we are putting into our body every second is every thought that we have and every thought that we choose. And, you know, I just from my own personal experience, like it's really easy to get in a loop and start sort of circling in thoughts, being in the past, being in the future, all the things. And I think more so even than what we're eating, our focus should be on what what can we do to break those cycles in our mind yeah. uh, because that's the food that we're giving ourselves all day, you know, and all night because it influences our subconscious and our dreams too. Uh, and I think also recognizing that it's all operating in sync with each other. So oftentimes we think that, oh, well, I just, I'm just, this is my personality. This is the way my mind works. I'm not, and there's nothing I can do about it. But then you can look at things like your food. What are you eating will actually influence what thoughts you're having. Correct. And then you know, what th- what practices you do, whether you get out in nature or kind of get out of your daily routines that may be destructive and do something different, that will also affect what food choices you make, you know. And so it all all interacts, and it's just that something needs to change. If you don't like something, if you don't like the way you feel, if you don't like the way you're thinking, then something needs to interrupt the pattern, but it doesn't take much to interrupt the pattern. And then from there, you can continue to interrupt the pattern you know yeah well i mean it starts with awareness right like just pay attention right um which i think is in the yogi's lifestyle like that's the biggest that's the that's always my biggest lesson is like what am i not paying close enough attention to because if i if, if i'm always on the path of like 
becoming a better version of myself, it's all of it. It's from thoughts to the way I eat, the way I exercise, the way I sleep, the way I everything, right? Like there's always room for improvement. Right? And so And I think a big part of it is how we relate. You yeah. know, like the thoughts, the food, everything I think is so much more influenced by how what our relationships are like and how we relate to other people, whether it's in our workplace or our personal relationships, you know, what kind of thoughts are we having about those relationships too? Because that's the constant food that we're receiving is, you know, how am I, how am I with my friends? How am I with my coworkers? How am I with my, you know, romantic partner and all of that? Because food's a trigger for some people, right? Just like a stressful situation. I don't know how to handle things. I overeat or I stressful eat. I comfort eat. Mm-hmm. It's just a coping mechanism, which is incredible. Food's a crutch for some people. And I had someone earlier this week tell me, I just realized that I overeat now, and it's a trigger from when I was a kid. It's still this mental connection that I have where I still say, when I get freaked out, I don't know what to do, so I go and eat. The incredible thing is, like, I said, well, your cortisol increases, which stresses you out which means your blood sugar spikes, then it crashes, and you want more food because you think, like, your blood sugar is dropping, you're hangry. But then the cycle continues because you don't burn off that sugar or fat, whatever you eat. It just gets stored as inflammatory substance in your body. And when that happens, over time, inflammation builds up. So it's this cycle that you're basically eating and causing sickness. On Friday night, you'll go home and say, I want to just binge watch Netflix and just eat a bunch of pizza and just not do anything. And that's fine. The problem is that you and I eat different pizza than the rest of the world. The rest of the world eats like very heavily processed cheese and gluten and all that. It's not good for you. I look at food now as it's more of like it's not a crutch. It's not. It, it's just sustenance. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. It's just a way for me to get nutrition in my body. And on, honestly, I don't look at food the same way I used to. Like five years ago, I would be like, man, look at that pizza. It looks delicious. I start salivating. Now I'm kind of like, eh. I mean, it's really weird. Now I say that I had pizza a while ago, yeah. but I don't eat pizza as much as I used to. And honestly, I, do, I could care less. You just happen to say, hey, do you want pizza today? I was like, sure. We eat tacos like every day. So it's like, let's mix it up. But I, I, I mean, I, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my son here loves technology and I, hopefully eventually he'll, I don't know, get into tech or something. I don't know. It's amount of, Omar, can you go over there? Perfect. Thank you. I need to be off the phone because it's about dying. Okay. You go do that. So, anyway, what other neurotransmitters do you try to emphasize with your patients? I know you talk about serotonin. You talk about dopamine. Acetylcholine. Ah, that's a good one. I mean, I don't I don't know if I think about it specifically, yeah. but what do you think about in relation to it? Acetylcholine? Mm-hmm. In general? I, I found out, I took this test and I found out that I'm acetylcholine dominant. Uh and it was all about like taking risks and liking like sports and like just always like being on a mission to do something like you're firing mm. right like you're firing your neurons and like i mean i know that whenever we used to have choline as a supplement as a shot it was like the most incredible thing like people were i'm just like i'm focused i'm getting shit done wow and uh, i'm pretty much feel like that most of the time is like i'm just getting shit done uh but you could be gaba dominant you could be um uh, serotonin dominant, and you can be dopamine do- dominant. So if if you had to choose, like, which one you'd want to be dominant in, which one would you pick? Would it be the choline? I like that one. I mean, yeah. that's it's who I am. I mean, it's, 
Yeah, that's who I am, and I, I'm, I'm happy with who I am. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I would I would like to be either dopamine or serotonin. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? I would... I love serotonin and dopamine. Gosh, it's amazing. Um, I would want to know what it's like to be in GABA all the time, which is parasympathetic mode. I'm, yeah. I'm really in GABA a lot. You are? Yeah, I've had my biofeedback done, and they're just like... What is what, how is this possible? Oh, then you like him. So we went to <laughs> we went to go donate blood. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't let him donate blood. His his heart rate was like thirty eight, and so they said go do some push ups, jumping jacks, whatever. He came back and it was like thirty nine. Wow. And so they're like, you can't get blood. You're not stressed enough. You need to go stress. Go like you need more stress in your life. Yeah. That's what they told me. And <laughs> I just thought it was fascinating because for most people, they don't know what it's like to just be calm. Like you know that feeling when you just sit down and you're like. Ah, I'm just going to enjoy this. Usually people only do it when they're exhausted. Baldo does it at 5.30 in the morning. He gets up early just so he can be more relaxed to start off his day. Yeah. It's great. Well, you know what's interesting is I've been following this um, yoga instructor online. Of, you know, he's he's considered a guru in India. And he says the easiest way for anybody to tap into that restful state is to actually stress the body first. So holding the breath. I mean, it's something so basic, but hold your breath for as long as you can. Yeah. And then pause and then do it again. And it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, well, the whole idea of doing yoga is to basically get all the nicks and crannies out so you can go and sit mm-hmm. and meditate. Right. Right. It's almost like. If you're not meditating after yoga practice, you're, I'm not saying that you're doing it wrong. I'm just, I'm just saying, but like, you're not serving its original purpose. Mm-hmm. It was like, get everything stretched so that whenever you go sit, you're not thinking about like, oh, I'm like tight here. Like you already got all that out. So you can just sit there and, and then, and then there's, there's like sages that will meditate for hours on like one breath. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of it too, <laughs> with yoga as well is that. You're, you're. If you're syncing your breath with your practice, you're, you're meditating while you're doing yoga too. It's not just a stretch routine. It does yeah. help for the seated practice, but you're kind of in meditation. And I think that's why runners or people that are really working with their breath, you know, they feel like they get yeah. into meditative states because it's inhale, exhale. You know, they yeah. just do that. Or swimmers, you know, yeah. any any sport that's going to require you to really sort of get in tune with your breath. Yeah. You went to a yoga class yesterday with our friend Diana, and uh, she usually starts the class and is like, hey, any requests? Like, who wants to do what? And someone's like, oh, I want to do backbands. Or like, oh, I want to do handstands. Or someone's like, uh, "Like, let's work on breath work. And she's like, the whole practice is breath work. Uh, <laughs> it's like the whole thing is breath work. Like, you should be doing breath work the whole time. Well, right? maybe, maybe they meant the prana. Yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I asked them that, too, one time. I said, well, let's we're going to have this retreat. And I said, we're going to do, like, breath work in the morning and intention and all that stuff, too. He goes, oh, so we're going to do yoga. I said, no, no, we'll do yoga, like, later. He's like, that is yoga. Oh, yeah. And I, but see, I don't, the first time I went to yoga class was what, was that three years ago, four yeah. years ago? I mean, I'd never been to a yoga class before and he took me and I said, this is amazing. Savasana was my favorite part, mm-hmm. which was the very end when you're relaxed. Hence again, I'm like, yeah. oh, that's awesome. Cause you, you're downloading everything. You're taking it all in. Yeah. yeah. But when I was doing like power vinyasanas by, uh, and, and, and in Diana's class, I was like, this is a hell of a workout. 
heated, <laughs> you're dripping sweat. Like it was really hard. I tapped out one time. And Bo was like, that's not like traditional yoga. That's like a workout modified yoga for today's standards. Yeah. Right? Because really yoga is just sitting there and trying to breathe, trying to get deeper into a Zen state, which most people don't have time to do. Correct. Or they think they don't because they do have time to work out, right? Um, but they want to keep going. It's correct. like the people that say, I, I have stress relief when I work out. Yeah. But yet they work out six times a week or six days a week. And I'm like, there's nothing about you that you're getting stress relief from. Like, if anything, you're making your body worse. Like, yeah. you need to, like, just not do anything. And it freaks people out. They're like, I just can't take two days off in a row. Or maybe just do the thing that they're doing. You know, I think that's the thing is when you are doing yoga, but your mind is thinking about everything else or you're trying to, you know, I yeah, don't just know. being present. Yeah. So, so it's, I think the stress comes overall when you're trying to do yoga, but thinking about other things or you're doing, you know, most people aren't really even present in a conversation with someone else. They're thinking about what thought am I going to express next, Sure. Yeah. you know? And so it's like, if you could be, just be more present overall in your life, you would probably be able to do the yoga practice and sync with the breath and all of that just because it's training you for how to be in your day. Yeah. You know, it's like just training you to be more present with whatever you're doing. I like whenever I meditate, I like to hear the sounds. Like, what am I hearing? And then what I'll do is, um, what am I, what am I feeling? So if I'm laying down on my back, I'm like, feel the back of your head touching the ground, feel the back of your feet touching the ground. If I'm sitting in like pigeon, I'm like, all right, don't look at the pain. Don't feel the pain. Like just look at the idea that you're just there right now. What are the birds doing right now? Where's, where's the bird located? I can hear it chirping. Where's the pigeon? Where's the pigeon? Right? Yeah. <laughs> no. I had, I had it the other day. Um, I forgot what it was. I literally got it. I was like, I'm, I'm disregarding the pain. Oh, it was at ocean lab. So I was doing the sauna and I was doing legs on the wall in the sauna while I was trying to breathe. And I had a lot of pain in my lower back because I was right on wooden, like a bench. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nope, it's in my head. Pain is just in my head. I'm not going to think about it. And if that's the case, how do you tune out pain? I basically just said it's not there. The pain's not there. And I kept thinking over and over again, guess what? The pain went away. But the second I realized, like, wait, where's my pain at? The pain started coming back. So it was really weird. I focused on the idea that I don't have pain, even though I was focusing on the pain, and it went away. So they kind of just led me to be like, it's whatever my mind perceives. Yeah. It's pain's always going to be there, but it's whether it gets to me or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you're manifesting it, right? It's like where your focus goes, your energy goes, right? And so. And it's also like the idea in NLP or neuro-linguistic program is that programming is that you have so many more inputs coming into your body than you're able to process. So it's a matter of what you focus on that you actually, that gets into your mind. So there there's always so many potential realities that are happening yeah. and that, that you're and that's why like sometimes you'll see a picture and most people only see kind of what is expected to be seen but there's actually something else there and it's because we're so programmed to focus on oh okay that's a face so that's all we see but there's actually something else and so you're programmed for pain when you keep thinking, oh, where's my pain or is my pain there right now? And so it's just a matter of shifting your focus, like you just yeah. said, and uh, 
because we're we always have so many potential inputs and yeah. it's what inputs we choose to let in you know well it's so easy to like in the body is so easy to manifest right because i always talk about how like the brain wants to be right more than it wants to be successful and so if you're like thinking like where's my pain it's like oh that's easy to create i can just create like tightness there and you'll feel the pain mm-hmm. but like that's not a problem like you'll, you'll find it right but you could it, it's also the opposite right because i you know it's almost like how do you let go of that so that way it's no longer there and your mind can be at ease with like that's no longer my reality mm-hmm. right i think it's setting your intention and and trying to manipulate your brain to override the system there's a chris Voss again negotiator so we watched master class we basically split um a master class subscription for a year and so lately the guy i've been following his name's chris Voss. he's an fbi negotiator and he was talking about i'm, I'm fascinated by this because he's literally how do you talk to people he says it's much easier to get what you want when you ask a no question. Because hmm. if people say no, they automatically feel safe. Like they said no to something and they're committed. So basically they stand their ground and say no. But if I ask the right question, I can get a, a bigger response. In fact, people give you more information when, you, when, you sit, when they say no. So it's really about putting that person in a position to where it's like, all right, how do I get the most out of you? But you lay down your guard. To where I can actually get to the deepest part of you to yeah, release the, the real, what's the real part of you. So that's what people guard anyway. When I'm having a conversation with you, I want to know what really is going on with you. Some people are afraid of it because if imagine you're at the checkout counter at a store and the person says, "Hey, so how's it going? Good. How are you?" That's not. That's just small talk. It's nothing really. You might as well not say anything to the person, right? Because really, you almost don't really care. Even though you're asking this person, how are you doing? You really don't care. You just imagine, like, just don't talk to me. I would say that's almost, like, not really rude because it's like, that's fine. No talk. No, that's fine. Let's get it done with. And now with the, all the masks at ATB, no one's talking to you at all. It's like, get your food and get out here, right? <laughs> so if I want to talk to someone, I want to know all about them, right? If I'm, Especially if I'm in it. I'm like, Nisha, how are you doing today? And you're like, really want to know? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I feel like crap today. I feel horrible. And I'm okay with it. That's awesome. You owned up to it. You're present. You understand what's going on with you, and you're okay with it. You understand it's temporary. Mm-hmm. This is not who I am. It doesn't define me. Like soy in a story, right? I think that. I think that the way you can manifest anything in life is just say, "Hey, if I don't even know what I need to do, I'm just going to allow my higher power to take over." And I think for the most part, when it comes to health and wellness, sometimes you just have to let things happen. And know that everything will work out, right? Like your battery dying on your phone? Yes. It's not the end of the world. Can I just pretend? You can pretend. <laughs> See, right there. Right? There's always an answer. I love this kid. Right? There's always an answer. So um, so I know, uh, well, what do you think of your IV? Well, I, I don't know yet. I mean. Well, could you feel it at all? I felt it go in kind of cool. Yeah. And that's. That's all right now. And that was your first vitamin IV, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I for I, the listeners. Well, here. Here, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, for the listeners, it, it takes a lot of courage sometimes to jump into a situation that you don't know, but then to come in and get an IV kind of sprung on you, <laughs> when especially you don't necessarily like needles, you know, it, it's it's cool. I think you that, did fine. Yeah, you did yeah. fine. Yeah, so you got an ad in there. You got a whole okay, podcast so in. You can tell Dee and Katie that you got... Nad, mm-hmm. uh, you got glutathione. Uh, we put some uh, some B vitamins just to kind of calm. Um, but for the most part, you might just be detoxing. But with the amount of stuff you take anyway, I'm just curious to notice if you see any difference. Okay. Right. If yeah. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I've actually really cut down on any supplements. 
Oh, really? I just do some Ayurvedic herbs now, and it feels so good to not take any pills. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I see the utility. I just still do magnesium at night. Cool. Um, but kind of going from my functional medicine drawer, which is like <laughs> two big drawers of pill bottles to not taking anything, I feel like that's what it's about, is actually sure. ultimately getting to a place where you need less, you know? Yeah. So I'm with you. I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I just added more stuff. Yeah, I was going to say. I got but it's, you get to the point where you just want to, like, optimize. And it's a completely different game. Like, whenever, like. Well, see, I have, like, these packets. <laughs> and I have an AM and I have a PM. Oh, it's specially. It's specially made for me. So it's, like, off my labs. But then, like, you have vitamin D and fish oil. But, like, here's, there's, like, a hypothalamus pituitary mix. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, hypothalamus pituitary gland. Wow. So I don't know what I'm going to discover yet, but I'm, like, taking resveratrol down there and mm -hmm. some brain and some mood stuff. And that has 5-HTP in it and, like, GABA mm -hmm. and, like, neurotransmitter stuff. So all this stuff helps me function better. But I'm trying to experiment. Like, Well, I think it's neat that it's tailored to you. It yeah. should be, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. Have you heard of Shilahat Mushroom? Shilaji wait, Shilaji? Shilahit? Shilajit. Is that how you're supposed to say it? Say yeah. it again? Shilajit. Okay. Yeah. That's what this thing is for the testosterone booster. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. So I don't know how much you know about it. I don't know a whole lot, but I heard good things. Yeah, it's a resin um, that kind of grows in rocks, and they harvest it, and it's got, like, really high mineral content. Is yeah. That, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what I heard, too. Yeah, it's, it's a booster. I remember um, I did some ketogenic I was in a mild state of ketosis and I was running and I had the Sheila Jeep that I'd taken in the morning and I just felt like I was superwoman, like I could yeah. just run super fast for a really long time. So you may notice that you have a real boost. You know what else I heard going kind of taking it back to yoga is have you guys ever seen that yoga practice where you stick your arms up in the air and then you do breath of fire while your arms are out like this? Oh, it's yeah, a, yeah. It's from Kundalini Yoga, but that's supposed to increase your testosterone, too, to keep your arms raised in the morning. So kind of like a, you know, a, like a gorilla or gorilla. target, you know, but, yeah. but things that naturally boost your testosterone is just like moving your body, you know, yeah. in a... So, so if I do this, so if I go and search for this, what am I looking for? <laughs> yoga, testosterone pose? Well... Um, you would go, it's called, e, it's called ego eradicator, ego eradicator. And I actually do it every morning for 10 minutes. Like so you do this yeah. for 10 minutes yeah. and then you breathe while you're doing it, right? Yeah, the breath of fire. So, you know, the belly goes in, but I, I do that for 10 minutes and it, for, in the beginning, it took me a while to just to be able to hold my arms up like that, yeah. but I'm, I'm up to it now. All right. I'm yeah. going to try it. I got you it. Should See, do it. I totally will. I will tell you. I love it. I learn something I know every time. Fasting boosts my testosterone by a lot. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah, his his testosterone is like a thousand. After a six day water fast, his testosterone went up to a thousand. Wow. And that's that's when, good to have the numbers with it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like I'm in. I'm going to do this fast too. Mine dro dropped to like a hundred because I think I tested too soon. Oh. But then now it's at eight hundred. But I was doing a lot of ashwagandha and maca, so I don't know if that has something to do with it. But we'll see. We'll test in this mushroom and see if well, it helps. Well, so neat because when I was working in. Um, a functional clinic and testing hormones really frequently, the, um, most of the men coming in like age 35 and up had testosterones that were like 500 or less. And no man's going to feel that good with a testosterone that low, No, you know? And so all these natural things to boost your testosterone, whether it's herbs, supplements, water fasting, you know, like I think 
it's it's just really sad when that becomes okay, you know? This, that's the norm, but you yeah. can accept that? Yeah. And then people are going towards Viagra and <laughs> testosterone, you know. As a fix, as a band-aid. And, I know. But the thing is, is you probably know this as well, but just like the more central fat somebody has, the more estrogen they're making, and that's going to you know, offset their testosterone. So usually men who are suffering with low testosterone also are, you know, prematurely kind of estrogenized with this, oh, yeah. <laughs> with, um, with weight that they, you know, it's like if a man has really tight abs, you can pretty much be sure that his testosterone is high. <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah. that's, that's just how it works because they have so little estrogen that's circulating. Yeah. And if they have man boobs and a beer belly, they got lots of estrogen. Right, and they shouldn't be drinking all that beer. <laughs> That's what it is, right? Yeah. Yeah, I agree completely. Well, okay. Last question, and I know we got to wrap up. For estrogen, if guys can take this mushroom, can women take this mushroom too? And is this a boost fertility as well? Well, it's not so much fertility because fertility, you need more estrogen and progesterone. Yeah. But it, I mean, overall, most people are working, walking around with mineral depletion, and so it does help with that. So yeah. it's going to help the whole all their detox pathways. But then um, it also boosts energy, so they're more likely to feel like having intercourse <laughs> if they have more energy. So in that way, it boosts fertility. Yeah, <laughs> and if you take your bliss and your theanine, mm-hmm. you got your neurotransmitters yeah. ready for you as well. So that's cool. It's a holistic approach. So, well, um, all right. So, how do how do people find you? How would they go about wanting to sign up for your your, your service? I know you have some videos you just came out with as well. Yeah. So, um, I have a website. It's just my name, nishakanamd.com, and then on there I have three healing courses that I've created. Uh, one's a gut reset, so it's a, a month long gut cleanse guide with supplements and a specific diet that people follow. It's really easy to do. Most people actually love the food that they eat on it. I created all the recipes and a meal plan and, um, and it's plant-based paleo. And, um, and then the second one is kind of getting more into Ayurveda, learning about Ayurveda, um, how to incorporate it into your life. And then there's a cleanse, a seasonal cleanse that you can do with that. And then the third one is more of a self-care course and it's uh, practical demonstrations of how to create a daily routine and incorporate those practices and make sure you're doing everything right. So that's all available through my website under healing courses. And then I also, um, I'm on Instagram a lot. I post a lot of yeah. kind of medical, um, sort of health wellness information. So that's just, um, at Nisha Khanna. Yeah. Follow, follow Great information. I love your videos. So, um, so thank you for coming in. It's been a little while since we've seen you. So hopefully we'll, we'll catch up again soon. Maybe yeah. Part two. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. This is the Hadi Health Podcast.